0: good to be with you guys again uh, this evening. And um, how many of you guys, when you read the Bible, you only believe half of it? Anybody else? Okay. <laughs> Pastor Bob, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's just um, the last couple of days just being struck over this passage that we're going to read um, here tonight and that we're going to dive into, but really the, the red letters of Jesus. And so when we go to Matthew chapter 5, Uh, we know, if you know anything about this chapter, it's called the Beatitudes, the message of the Beatitudes that Jesus is talking. And uh, I'm going to read the scripture and then we're going to dive in there uh, today. But here's what I love about Jesus is he's just like this, just casual Jesus. And then all of a sudden he just rocks people with crazy truth. So can you imagine just being with him? You're just walking along and all of a sudden he's like, speak to that fig tree and it will die. Like what? Jesus. Um, And so this chapter is, to me, it's exactly the same thing. And it says this. Now, when he saw the crowds, this is Matthew chapter 5, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Notice that he's not saying might. Might. who were before you. Heavenly Father, we thank you that in the scripture that we are blessed, that you declare it, and because you say it, it is so, and the promises that you declare are yes and amen, and these are even the words of your son Jesus, who you brought down to earth so that we could see a glorious picture of who you are as a father. So God, we thank you that tonight we get another just way, a glimpse to look into the heart of the father and how you see us. The blessed are those who are poor in spirit. For all of us who are poor in spirit, the kingdom of heaven is ours, and we thank you that that promise is true today and forevermore. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Uh, how many of you guys like movies of underdogs? Anybody? Okay. Uh, what's a good underdog movie? What's one of your favorites? Okay, yeah. The natural, somebody back here. Rocky, yes, yeah, a little sly stallone. Do you have an underdog movie? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's very true. All the diehards. How about Rudy? Dude, Rudy is like the epic underdog. One of my favorite as a men, uh as a man, uh that is Remember the Titans. Yep, that's exactly I had Remember the Titans in here. Uh, you wouldn't think of it as such, but Gladiator is actually an underdog movie. I mean, his whole family is destroyed, he loses everything, he's in prison, he should be dead, and then that glorious scene—of course, he comes back in the middle and you know kills the emperor. Um, we all we all love underdog movies, right? And here's what I love about underdog movies: is that in the end, they end up overcoming their weaknesses, they end up overcoming all the obstacles and all the things that people said that they couldn't do. And in the end, it usually is actually the fuel uh, for their fire. You know, cool runnings. Anybody remember that? The Jamaican bobsled movie. Nobody uh, thought that they could do it, you know, and throughout the movie. And so they proved them wrong. When we read in Matthew chapter five, those verses, especially verse three, we're going to focus on that tonight. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I grew up as a little kid, really thinking, "Oh, that's, that that scripture is really about humility, and that I'm supposed to be humble. And if I'm humble, then I'm going to inherit the kingdom of God." But the more I've been studying that scripture, and the more that I've just been getting with God on it, there's actually more to it. That "Blessed are the poor in spirit" actually means poor in spirit. So it's people when situations where there's people that are opposing you. Perhaps tonight you're in a situation where you're poor in spirit because people are opposing you. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's in your family. Maybe it's in your neighborhood. How about this? Blessed are the poor in spirit for people that are in opposition within themselves. Anybody ever been in opposition within yourself? Let's be honest, all those schizophrenic people up in here, right? Yeah. Yeah. Half the time, that's me. like, one minute, I'm like, oh, I feel good today. Oh, next minute, I don't feel good. I'm really sad. Well, no, I'm not happy. Now I'm happy, right? Sometimes we're in opposition within ourselves, our own internal belief systems, our godly beliefs, our ungodly beliefs. How do we see ourselves? blessed are the poor in spirit that are in opposition in a situation we're all walking through many different things in life and tough situations and circumstances so right now perhaps you're poor in spirit because of a situation you're walking through and then of course to a lot of the people that god was talking to that jesus was talking to in the bible during that time maybe opposition because of your status maybe it's a socioeconomic status maybe it's a race or a culture thing but you're feeling you're poor in spirit because of a reason and the first four beatitudes Let's not, let's not get it, uh, I'm, I'm working with a, a mentor counselor right now, and every once in a while he'll slide into like some ghetto talk, so he'll say like, don't get it twisted, get it listed. I almost said that, but then I'm like, okay, I, it's Castle Rock, can't get too hood, can't get too hood here. But let's not get it confused that the first four Beatitudes are talking to people. Let's be honest, if you're anything like these people in these first scriptures, you're feeling a little jacked up. So blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the brokenhearted. Blessed are the meek, or a.k.a. people who are small, maybe small as far as status and how people view them. And then blessed are those who hunger and thirst. So these first Beatitudes are of grace, and they set the stage of of really who, who we are. Because if we're really honest here tonight, And if you're anything like me, a lot of times I feel like I'm more in the valley than the mountaintops. A lot of times I feel like I'm a lot more poor in spirit than I'm strong in spirit. And so these first four verses are talking to us about really where most of us live in life. And then it goes on to talk about what really is ours and what really should be our response. If you look at these first four verses, um, without God— you can really see how you could fall into victimization. Like I'm a victim. I am poor in spirit. I'm broken. I'm broken hearted. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. I'm, I'm a small person. And there's been many times, and many scenarios, and situations, and, and seasons in my life where, to be honest with you, I have moved without God. I have moved in places maybe in, out of my own performance, out of my own strength. And there was a season that it, it totally worked for me. Um, I thought I was successful. I thought things were going well until things started imploding in my life, imploding in relationships, imploding with God. And then you start to get into this place where a lot of you guys have done this, where you, you start doing a ton of work <laughs> on yourself. You start getting in touch with the messages and the things that you're believing. You're starting to take every thought captive. And, and that's work, guys. How many, anybody in here ever done work? And I'm just, Okay. It's work to work on you. And that's why a lot of people don't do it. But once you start living in this awareness with, with God and you start walking step and step with him, I don't know about you guys, but the moments that you start to walk away, it feels way darker than ever before. It feels way darker than when I really didn't know God. Because when you've tasted his presence and his goodness and how great he is, and then you walk out of fellowship without him, it's, it's some of the darkest nights you'll ever experience. And so without God stepping into this picture, it's very easy to see how, well, I'm a victim because I'm poor in spirit. I'm a victim because I'm brokenhearted. I'm a victim because I'm hungry and thirsty. But what God has doing, and we're going to watch this whole response of those who are poor in spirit, is there's a God-sized void inside all of us. There's a, there's a part of your heart, there's a part of your life, of your mind, of, that only God can fill. And he's created it because he wants to be the one to fill it. Simple fact is that God blesses broken people. It's the beauty of the gospel, and he loves stepping into our mess. He blesses empty people many times. And many times it's those people who the world's opinion of you is less than. And a lot of times it's even your opinion of yourself that is less than. It's the world's underclass that Jesus is talking to right now. Yes, maybe in the viewpoint, but also how we see ourselves internally as poor in spirit. Anybody have seen the movie Greatest Showman? Right? One of the most epic movies of all time. And yes, as a man, I am saying that. That movie made me cry, jump up and cheer. Like, it's amazing movie. One of the best scenes that I love is when they first walk into the circus and all the underclass, all the people that, are walking in with them, and they're doing their dance, and here I come. I can't do it, but you know what I'm talking about. And the looks on their faces were amazing, transformative. They, they found somebody that believed in them for who they were, that looked past their appearances and said, I'm willing to follow this person. And that's what Jesus does for us. For those who are poor in spirit, he looks right into our soul and sees who we are and who he's created us to be. He loves those that are poor in spirit. And the Greek word for this, and Bob, if you know Greek, don't judge me, but is patokos. uh, So P-T-O-C-H-O-S. And it really is the strongest word for poverty in the Bible. It's only used a few times in here in the Beatitudes, but it's the strongest word poverty, and it means this, to be undone, pathetic, and miserable. So think about that. Those who are undone, Jesus is like, dude, are are you pathetic? Good. Are you miserable? Guess what? The kingdom of heaven is yours. Think about that. The Pharisees, Sadducees must have been like, dude, who is this crazy crackhead Jesus? He dares say this crazy stuff. And think about how that was water to the souls of the people who were following him just like it's water to our souls. Today, tonight, you you may be in an emotional and relational poverty. You know, a, a husband who is desperately trying to get his wife to church and she won't go and she wants to go to the club and she's too tired and she's too hungover the next day. He's in relational poverty. You know, a dad that's estranged from a son, and he wants his son to come to the Lord, has been praying for him for 22 years, and the son wants nothing to do with Jesus, that's emotional poverty. Tonight, perhaps, you could be in spiritual poverty, poor in spirit. You could be in spiritual poverty. You could be in situational or or even a trial of sorts, which leads to poverty. These beatitudes in verse 3 was for those in bad situations and not just with good attitudes. Here's the thing that Jesus says this in Mark chapter 2, verse 17, and you guys probably have heard the scripture before, but he says, on hearing this, Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy who need a what? A doctor. But it's the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. See, See, that's the whole point. Jesus didn't come to tell those who thought they were good, you're good and be even better. He came to tell those who were caught in sin, caught in adultery, caught in embezzlement to say, I love you. I came because you're sick and you need a a doctor named Jesus. He came to tell the poor in spirit that yours is the kingdom of heaven. But here's one of the things that I was just really struck with this week and pouring over this text, that to be poor in spirit, we can't stay there. You can't stay in spirit. You can't stay in emotional or relational or situational or or trial poverty. So what happens is there's this realization that happens when we realize all that Jesus did for us on the cross. And guys, I don't know about you, but I need to remember the cross a whole lot more. I need to live with the perspective of the cross daily, hourly, and minute by minute. And when I was in Israel, and you're walking down, you know, the Via Dolorosa, which is a really cute song that I've sang a bunch of times. It's just, the Via Della Rosa, right? And it's like, oh, that's a really cute song. And then you stand there and you imagine him walking down the Via Della Rosa, carrying that heavy cross, getting beaten for you and I. Not once, he was already scorched 39 times, then having to carry a cross. And then then you see Golgotha, the place of the skull, And you see the hill, and then you understand that they actually, it was a a public display. Like, this wasn't like a cute, we're going to kill Jesus in a private cell where nobody can see. They shamed him in every way possible. And here's the crazy realization of the cross. It's not like Jesus was surprised. It wasn't like he found out, like, oh, Judas is going to betray me. I didn't know that. I didn't know, Father, you were calling me to go to the cross. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm a messed up person who does not deserve the cross. I do not deserve his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness. That's why grace is so powerful, because it's undeserved favor that God has lavished upon us. And so when there's a realization of the cross, it creates a movement for us. So the realization goes into activation, which then turns into mobilization for us as people. So the awesome thing about about God is that he always, there's always a movement if we're willing to move with him. And we see it all throughout the gospel that sufferers move to doers, that we move from grace because we realize how much he's done with the cross. We realize that all he's done, and it's not enough for me to be like, thank you, Jesus, for the cross. That was great. I'm now going to give you 22% of my life, and I hope you love it. It's, it's not enough. And so that's why from also from grace we move into God. I want to serve you. I want to tell people about you. I want to love the widow. I want to love the sick. I want to go to the hospital because when we do it, we're serving Jesus. And so he moves us into this. We see it all the time. The woman at the well had five husbands. And the one that she was with, he's like, dude, she, he's not even your husband. She's coming to the well at noon, the hottest time of the day, because she doesn't want to be seen by anyone. How about in John chapter 5, the lame man at Bethesda, for 38 years, had just laying by the water, just praying somebody would, like, kick him in or move him in or something when the water was stirred. Jesus doesn't walk past him. He stops. He says, dude, pick up your mat and walk. Over and over and over again, sufferers move into doers, and people move from grace into works. Our mess, your mess, is an opportunity for God to step on in. I don't know if you guys have heard this. This I, I like some of these sometimes, these like Stephen Furtick, like black pastor-like things. You can let your mess become your message, right? Yeah, so God wants our mess to move into our message. That's why some of the most qualified people to go in and do prison ministry are not always people that's never been in prison, A lot of times it's the guy that served 20 years in prison that understands the culture, understands the temptation, understands where people are at, understands the mindset, understands that when you get out, you're going back to your boys and all the temptation because his mess now became a message. And so a lot of times God will move us into that. There's credibility and power by the word of your testimony. Here's something that I I heard um, uh, a professor just talk about, but there's, there's almost like the aerobics of discipleship. Um, and here's here's what I mean by that. It's almost like God's workout um, plan. Uh, I work out with a guy, or at least I do his plan, that Chris knows as well. Uh, big old boy, used to play for Air Force and fullback uh, back and all this other stuff. And um, before I started working out with him two years ago, uh, he's like, we walked in the gym. Actually, it was this gym, ironically, um, used to beat my gym. And he, we walk in, and he's like, loose torrents do you want to be the strongest guy in this gym, or do you want to look like it? And I'm like, man, I just, want to look, I just want to look like the strongest. I don't care to be the strongest. And so we consumed this crazy workout plan where I'm going to be honest with you, half the time I'm so embarrassed of the exercises that I'm doing because they're not manly exercises. So, like, I'm planking. I'm doing, like, side leg lifts, like Suzanne Summers, like all those, like, serious, not even kidding. Like, I'm doing, like, leg curls on a ball. But guess what? it's about my core. And I've never worked on my core. I have chicken legs, never work on those things. But now I'm stronger than I've ever been. I don't necessarily look super strong or as strong as I want to look, but it's a workout plan. But guess what? Part of working out is you tear down your muscles to build them back up. Tear them down to build them back up. And it's the same way with the aerobics of discipleship. God does this. When he talks about in verse 3 that he blesses the poor in spirit, he reaches down and picks up all of us that are broken hearted, all of us that are poor in spirit. He reaches down because of what his son Jesus Christ did on the cross, because of the blood that was shed for us. He reaches down to us, picks us up, those who are poor in spirit. Then here's what will usually happen. He will then send you back into the same broken world from whence you came to reach the same broken people who are broken just like you. So that's like step two of the rope And then here's the part that I so love usually you will then get knocked down. You will then be persecuted. It it will not be easy. It does not usually end with you having your own radio and TV show as an evangelist. It doesn't work like that. you get knocked back down only to be placed to your knees of surrender. And then that's where God does like this like this cocoon, the caterpillar cocoon kind of thing, and you're getting squeezed, and it's yuck, and you want to fight it, and if you did fight it, if you did break through the cocoon, you would die. But you've got to trust God in that place of knees of surrender after getting knocked back down, and then after too long, oh, let me pick you right back up again. And then guess what? You get to go back to the broken people. You get to go back, and you get knocked down again. And, and our good father, just it's over and over and over again. It's the cycle of... Of aerobics and is a cycle for people who are poor in spirit that will respond to the heart of Jesus Christ. The old man is dead, but the new arises in this new season. First Peter five six says this: "Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that He may lift you up in due time. Humble yourselves under His hand, and He will lift you up in due time." But I can tell you this uh, from experience and I'm sure most of you in this room can attest, and you can probably rattle off five stories right now, that humbling yourself under the Lord's mighty hand is not always fun. It's usually a painful process. When you think you should be done, he's like, oh, no, 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 we're not, we're not done yet. There's more, there's more for you underneath there. And then when we try to stand up, he's like, no, 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 I'm going to lift you up in due time. I've got a, a mentor, and half the time I meet with him, I want to tell him, shut up, dude. Stop talking, please. Because I don't really like what he's saying, but I know it's, it's Jesus talking through him. And he's talking to me about my recent last couple of years and saying, Torrance, God's not done with you. He wants you to die. He's like, he, he, he wants Torrance to die so that he can live. And as long as you keep fighting the process, okay. And he's like, I'm not dead either. There's a whole lot of me that's not dead either. And I'll tell you guys, that does not feel good, sound good. I, I want the new man. I want the resurrected torrents. But why, do we really have to die? And God's like, yeah, you do. And that's part of that poor in spirit. It's part of that, that, that feeling that you have when everything is unraveling emotionally, situationally, in your job. It's that internal poor in spirit that leads, believe it or not, to the kingdom. And here's how it does it. I believe blessed are those who are not just poor in spirit, but you have to feel the poverty. You, you, you have to feel it, embrace it. The world is full of people, including myself. I've had a great run and track record at I don't want to feel the poverty. I don't want to feel the pain. I want a Band-Aid, I want a mask, I want to run, I want to perform, I want to I want to do everything but be poor in spirit. But blessed are those who in these seasons feel the poverty. See, there's always this, this tension. Uh, right now, just the journey of life that I'm in, there's this crazy tension of the really, really difficult, the yuck, the hard, the relational hard, the faith journey, just all of it. But then there's also this really beautiful thing happening at the same time. It's crazy. It's like super hard, super hard, Jesus. I want to be done. And then all of a sudden, like, miracle. Super hard, super hard. I want to run. Beautiful restoration of a relationship. Super hard. Like, it's this crazy. And God is saying, if you will hold the tension of that, if you will stay in it, run, but stay in it, Both the is happening in the middle of that tension. The growth is happening because you're staying in the poverty, but you're staying in it not by yourself. You're staying in it with me. Staying in the pain is difficult, but necessary. How many of you guys have seen this? When, when a little kid gets hurt, right? They, they, you know, And the mom's right there, and you have kids. They get hurt, and what do they do? The mom's standing right here, and they're like, ah! They're running away from the mom. And the mom's like, Timmy, come over. Come to me, Timmy. Timmy, Timmy. And they're chasing Timmy. Chasing Timmy. Timmy, just stop. Let mommy blow on it or whatever you moms do. Put a Band-Aid on it. I think a lot of times God is like, dude, you're in pain. I know you're in pain. Stop running. I'm not chasing you. Stop running. Just turn around. I'm right here. Blessed are those who feel the pain and stay in the pain. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. We are not passive in our poor in spirit, but there is a movement. Here's the movement. The movement of when we are poor in spirit is, Abba! Jesus! It's crying out to him. Romans 8.15 says this, that we do not have a spirit of slavery no longer. We don't have one of fear, but we have one of sonship by which we, I'm sorry, <laughs> by which we cry out, Abba, Father. There's, in your poverty, in your pain, in your poor spirit, there is a, there's a crying out that happens. We don't just cry out to our father, but we also, what you guys are so good at doing in here, we reach out to others. If you notice in isolate, there's the, it starts with what letter? Okay, <laughs> not a trick question. Yeah, I, because usually it's about me. It's about me and my pain, and I don't want to let anybody else in, but that's where we need community, So that we don't isolate. So it's crying out to God. It's reaching out to others in order to be poor in spirit and walking with the Father. Jesus's heart is not that we are blessed because of our situation, but that we are blessed when we cry out by what he brings when we do. We're blessed because of what the Father brings when we cry out when we're poor in spirit. That's how we're blessed. He looks down and says, look, here I am I'm taking your place, and now the kingdom I bring is especially for you. Here's the thing that I love about our Father. And we see this in the first verse, is that the nature of Jesus is to bless before he asks, to bless before he demands. Uh, in the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments, it, it, this is what, you know, the Ten Commandments, there's a list of all these things, don't not lie, do not commit adultery, don't do, don't do. There's a first part where he says this, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt. (laughs) Like, I'm the one who just rescued you guys. And so, as a result, let's talk about these Ten Commandments so that it may go well with you. Not because I'm I'm a father that just wants to put the hammer down, but that if you will do these things, you will be blessed and you will inherit the kingdom. And so, there's always something that precedes what God asks us. So, the question tonight is, what is God's you know, personal message to you. What what has God said to you? Has has God saying, you remember when for two years you were poor in spirit and I blessed you with that job? Yeah, I I am the source and I take care of you, and now I'm asking you to sacrificially love your wife in a different way. Like, remember how I totally healed you from that disease? Yeah, mm, okay, now I'm asking you to step out in faith and share your testimony. There's, oh, what's, what's your God message? Did he, did he save your marriage? And now he's saying, you know what? I actually want you to mentor other couples. And you're like, ugh, because that makes you feel yuck and it, it's uncomfortable. What is your God message? What is he saying to you tonight? It is the love and the blessing of what God has done in our life. That is our message. It's our poor in spirit that is actually the message. And one of the greatest powers we have, guys, is remembrance. You know, I, I talked to you guys about remembering the cross. One of the most powerful things is that whole, that whole Ebenezer. You know, here I raise my Ebenezer, is looking back at those God moments of what, what did God do? You know, in 20 plus years of marriage, God has done a lot of amazing things in my life. That I'll be honest with you, as a knucklehead man, I end up forgetting 80% of them. And it would behoove me to have, like, little books on my shelf and go pull them up and be like, oh, yeah, I remember when we were almost going to divorce, and God, you saved our marriage. Like, we need to remember this kind of stuff. Remember all that God has brought us through, to remember his goodness, because when we get back to that place of poor in spirit, it's going to help us get to the Father much easier. It's going to help us cry out to him, oh, yeah, I remember the recipe. I need to cry out to God. I need to be around others. I remember what he did already, in my life remembering what he has done remembering the love and the blessings he's a good father Uh, he's a good father i've got two kiddos um emma's babysat for them before and i will tell you this um the whole thing my parents used to do with me like go take out the trash because i said so Mm, this generation is not feeling it It's, it's a little it's a little different uh so here's what works a little bit better. Campbell, do you like your room? Yeah, Dad, I love my room. How about all your 92 stuffed animals on your bed and your G.I. Joe figures? And, yeah, I, I love that stuff, Dad. Thank you so much. Man, Campbell, I love you too, man. And I said, you know, you're a really great son. And you know what? You know what helps me and blesses me as a dad is when I see that we're a team. And, man, we're going to do these few chores together, and I might help you man, because you're such a big kid, and I still believe in you, and I know you can get it done, it goes so much better than, go take out the trash because I said so. And so at the same time, I'm reminding him of who he is. At the same time, I'm, I'm building him up. At the same time, I'm, I'm a father that's reminding him, which is good for him to remember. Uh, to remember all that his mom and dad and the community have done for him. That he lives out of a place of gratitude and serves. And it's not always perfect, and I trust me, he's a kid, and he's, and that gives that attitude all the time. But you get what I'm saying? And that's what, that's what the Father does for us. There's always this remembrance. There's always this reminder of the love and blessings because it's his divine blessings that allow us to do what he's called us to do. Blessed are those because we are the kingdom. We rule and reign with him. So when it says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom, th- theirs is to rule and reign with the king. Theirs is to be sons and daughters of royalty, those of us that step into and that turn to the Lord with our poor and spirit mindset and where we're at. There's greater revelation of who he is in the, in the nature. There's this, there's this abundant life in the kingdom. There's this everlasting joy. There's this rising above. And it's crazy that what precedes it is our brokenness. What's crazy is what precedes it is it sure doesn't feel like I'm ruling and reigning. But as we give it to the Father, man, the kingdom is ours. And that's what the kingdom is about. Blessed used here in the New Testament in the Greek, the Macquarie word, it's, it's more than just a state of being. It's more than just a, a fact. It's actually, and if you look it up, it's actually more of like an ongoing, it's like a, a moving thing. And really what that denotes is that Jesus is with you, that he is with us. That's, that's the blessing, uh, that he is constantly moving with you. That's that's the kingdom. The kingdom is the blessing. And so that's the power is that Jesus is saying, hey, I'm on your side. That, that word blessed means that. It means blessing on. So you know how like the little tagline and all that stuff, like be blessed? Well, it's actually like ongoing blessings. It's not just staying here. It's, it's, who, you, it's who you are. It moves with you. It conveys this. It conveys a blessing to the recipient. So if you're poor in spirit, you're You're blessed. It's an exhortation or a challenge to live this way as well. So when we say blessed are the poor in spirit, they live a certain way. They they live as blessed people. They're exhorted to live as blessed people. Actually, in the Greek, it also means this. It's like almost like a congratulations. Like, hey Bob, congratulations, man. Let's celebrate. You're blessed. Like it's like a congratulations. Congratulations, you're poor in spirit, and now you're you're blessed. It's a declaration of something that already exists. That's that's what that, that's what that means is that when you're porn spirit, you already have it. Um my uh my aunt, she's kind of the quintessential uh Medea like type, you know. Uh so here's one thing that you'll learn about, you know, especially bigger black ladies. Um you, you go up to them and be like, be blessed. They're like, well, I'm already blessed. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm already blessed. Like, they'll tell you right there to your face, I'm already blessed. Like, that's, it's a a state that they are already saying, don't be blessed. I am blessed because of who I am. And those of us that are poor in spirit, that's what it's saying, that, that Macquarie in the Greek means that you already have it. Phrase poor in spirit is only seen here. Uh, just a couple of times, and we're almost done, but the power of declaration of the blessing, it's active, and it takes on its own life. It's active, and it takes on its own life. There's a transference of the blessing. So when we are poor in spirit, there's actually a transference that happens, much like uh, Isaac to Jacob. And so when Jacob tricked um, his father and stole Esau's birthright, there, there was a transference to Jacob. And as much as Isaac wanted to you know, hit rewind and say, oh, no, I made a mistake. He couldn't because it had already been declared, it already been transferred. And for those of us that are poor in spirit because of what's been done on the cross, there's nothing. You, you can't reverse your, your blessing. It's already been given to you because of what Jesus has said and who he is. It's actual deliverance of the blessing based on the word of God. It, the red letters, Jesus himself, blessed are the poor in spirit, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. And then here's the one other just real quick note that I love is, there's an expectation in the blessing, you know. So when we're pouring spirit, when we're moving with with Jesus, when we're moving with the Father, I don't know about you, but a lot of times I don't. I only live so narrow minded in the situation, the circumstance. I, I can't. I don't live expecting the blessing. I don't live saying, my blessing's coming. It's. It's. I it doesn't feel like it. And you know, I can't go off feelings, but I can go off this. I can't go off of feelings, but when I'm in the presence of God, and he whispers to me and says, son, (laughs) there's more. You're growing. You're doing better. There's more coming. And guess what, Torrance? The smallest percentage of what you're going to see is on this side of eternity. Oh. Oh, yeah, I forgot. (laughs) That we're going to rule and reign forever and ever and ever, and that what we're doing here right now matters, and it's building. It's building towards The greater. It's building towards the kingdom where we rule and reign. So there's this expectation. Just like, I don't know about you guys, but anybody order anything off Amazon? Okay. I was going to be worried if nobody did. And if you order, like, Prime, there's, like, the two-day shipping, right? And I don't know about you, but I was it in two days. Like, right? And it comes in two days. And if it doesn't come in two days, all of a sudden I'm like, something is wrong. Why didn't they send it? It's the same thing. So we can, just like Amazon, two-day prime delivery, it may not be two days, but you understand you can expect the blessings of God because his word says so. He responds to the broken and desolate and at the end of themselves, those that are at the end of themselves, he responds to them, those that are in poor in spirit, because when we are poor in spirit and we surrender, when we respond to God, there's a surrendering that takes place. There's a surrender, and he loves it when we're in that place. He loves it when we come to him and we say, Father, you're, you're all I have. And he goes, I know, son, and I love it because now I can move through you. I can work through you. I can be everything I've wanted you to be because you're surrendered, and you're moldable, and you're pliable. The kingdom is theirs, which denotes that the kingdom is for the poor in spirit. It's for them. He says it. It's for the brokenhearted, for the hungry and thirsty, for the meek. It denotes that the kingdom in many ways really exists also. Because of them. The kingdom is for the brokenhearted, for the underdog. Then he even says this, those who are not poor in spirit, you, don't in, you do not inherit the kingdom of God. So those who are like, I don't need a doctor, I'm not sick, I, man, they don't get that inheritance. That those who say, Father, I need you. Lord, I need you. Every hour I need you. Oh, you get it. We talked about this last time, that the kingdom is just, it's upside down. And that those who are on the bottom are going to be on the top. The first will be last, and last shall be first. And guys, I I think there's going to be this great reversal uh, at the judgment seat. I I think we're going to be incredibly surprised by who are the Michael Jordans and the Kobe Bryants and uh, the LeBron James of heaven. And I, I, trust me, I think Christine Kane and those guys are doing amazing work. And they'll probably be in the all star lineup too. But I can tell you, there's going to be some little pastor somewhere in Zimbabwe that nobody knows about. But because he kept responding to the Lord, poor in spirit, kept responding to the heart of the Father, kept crying out, kept saying, Father, use me. I'm broken. I have nothing to give. I just want to be your voice. I have a feeling he's going to be in the all-star lineup. I have a feeling there's some people in this room that have been overlooked, not seen. There's a lot of opposition in your life. You're going to be in the all-star lineup because that's what the word of God tells us. That's what he says, and that's what he's looking for in the kingdom. Our present hope is not now, but, it, but it's in the future hope. So we live with these three things in, in, in mind, living with the sight of eternity, keeping that eternal perspective in front of us, thinking about who will he declare us to be on that day where he looks and says, well done, good and faithful servant. What is that well done about? Is it about well done because you witnessed to 5,000 people, but you lived with pride and arrogance and masked? and it, Or is it you moved in obedience to the Father? Is it because you didn't do things... Perfect, but you were you were broken before him, and you came to him with all that you had, and just said, "God, use me." I have a feeling that the well done, good and faith will have a lot to do with that as well. And then the the last thing is just to remember this: is that the enemy will distract what he cannot destroy. So if he can't destroy you, he, he certainly will distract us. And one of the biggest distractions that we do not face oftentimes in our life, and that when we don't face it actually creates more distraction is when we don't face our pain. Is if we live in a place where we actually don't face our pain, it will cause more distraction in your life. It will actually cause, like, spiritual ADHD. You'll be all over the place. And you're like, man, I don't know why I can't post. I don't know why. I don't. It's because, man, you're not centered. It's because you haven't brought that, that yuck to God, that poor in spirit you haven't brought to him. The rhythm of the kingdom, and we're closing with this, guys. Remember, is that we're either being picked up, picking others up, or being knocked down to be picked up again. But rest assured that if we live poor in spirit, you will always, always get up. Because the Father is standing next to you, and he's whispering, I'm with you. I'm with you. Come on, son. Get back up. Get back up. There's this scene uh, in a movie called Doctor Strange. Anybody seen that movie? Um, I've got a ten-year-old, so I have to see all those movies. And at the end, the number one character, Doctor Strange, is facing like this really evil, evil force in the universe. I don't even know what it is, but um, and the only way he can defeat it is he has to like somehow rewind time and keep going in front of this cosmic evil force, and the evil force keeps knocking him down, keeps killing him. But because he has, like, this funky, like, wristband, he keeps, he can come back. So he keeps coming back in front of this cosmic evil force, and the thing keeps killing him all different ways, lightning, big rock, fire. And it's kind of crazy because it's, like, 90 times you're watching this, you're like, okay, we get the point. But it's the same way with us. The enemy wants to tell us that when you're poor in spirit and you get knocked down, there's going to be one time that you just can't get back up. He wants to tell you that when you're poor in spirit and you get knocked down, there's going to be one time where there won't be anybody in your relational circle that will care. He wants to tell you that the last time you get knocked down, that even the father will not pick up somebody that's poor in spirit because of your sin and what you did. But Jesus says different. Jesus says, are you brokenhearted? Are you you weary? Are you poor in spirit? You're exactly where I want you. I just want you to cry out to me. Let's pray. Man, Jesus, we are incredibly thankful for you. Thank you for your obedience. Thank you for stepping out of heaven and coming down into this refuse, this mess of a world. Because your example, God, is is, through your son is, oh, man, it just reminds us that We're loved that we can do this, that you're with us, that you see us. You see us for who we are, and you love us no differently. You love us the same with an unconditional love that says, if we go up to the heavens, you are there. If we make our depths in the bed of Sheol, if we make our bed in the depths of Sheol, that you are there as well. There's nowhere we can go. There's no height there's no depth there's nothing that will separate us from the love of God, and we rest in that tonight. We rest in your promises in Matthew chapter five that says that when we are poor in spirit, when we are banged up, when we don't have anywhere to turn when we 're confused, whatever state we may be in, that we are we're already blessed we 're blessed when we come to you as sons and daughters who are poor in spirit, and then as a result of that blessing, you hand us the keys to the kingdom and say. Now you get even more of this. Now you understand my heart in the kingdom. Now you understand my heart for others in the kingdom. And so, Lord, we as a body of believers just make a commitment to stand on your word and what you say about us. We make a commitment that whenever we're facing situational, relational, or emotional opposition, whatever that may be, that in that moment we turn to you and we cry out and we say, Abba, Father, we need you. That we reach out to others that we will not that we will not isolate, but that we will come to you. And then, God, I pray that Lord, you would allow us to never forget the power of the cross, the cross that has the final word, where Jesus, you went to the cross because you so loved us that you did that. And then out of the cross we move into just want to serve you, just want to give you everything that we that we have. So, God, I, tell you, I pray you would just use us, Lord, as our mind start, starts to shift of who we are. Use us in greater ways. Use us in our families. Use us in our neighborhoods. Use us at our jobs. Use us in our communities. Use us within this church, God, we pray in your name. Amen. Thank you, guys.